Hey, Grace Covenant family, what a privilege to have you connecting in with us today as we get into God's Word. What we know is whether you're watching online there in your home or we're gathered in a physical building, that God's Word is alive and life-transforming. So it's a privilege for me to be able to share God's Word with you today. But before we get into the message, I want to give you just a couple updates really quick. Um, this evening on the Cornelius campus at 6 p.m., we're having a drive-in worship experience where individuals will actually be in the parking lot in their car, uh, and we'll be engaging in some worship and prayer. And then on June the 7th, uh, next Sunday at 6 p.m., we'll be at the East Lincoln campus for a drive-in worship experience. So we would invite you to come to one or both uh, to join us as we are moving back toward being together physically in the church building, which leads me to um, we have established June the 14th as our first Sunday back on all of our campuses where we welcome you back as we engage in worship. And um, so we would certainly want you to be thinking about that time and uh, as well, I, I would want to say, I know we are a little slower in moving back to the reopening of the physical building uh, than some of the other churches, and we are just trying to weigh out safety concern for every individual. Uh, and so we are moving cautiously uh, and preparing the facilities for you and your family to be able to come and engage in worship. And, and I think in this season, let me just encourage you to this. It's a great opportunity for us to operate, to practice both love and grace. We talk a lot about love and grace, but I think this is an opportunity for us to live out love and grace. And let me illustrate it by um, an email I received this past week um, that kind of, um, I think, gives us a, a bit of an understanding of the picture we're in as to the different perspectives and opinions related to the reopening of the church, COVID-19. And as I read this, I, it made me laugh because I thought, wow, this is a, a little too true. Um, so here's the pastor in the center of the circle, and here's all these different opinions that are coming in. Um, and I've received actually pretty much all of these different statements. Uh, one, you, you can't open the church building yet. It's a huge health risk. If you're, uh, you're wrong, if you do it, to uh, don't ever open the building again. Home is so much better. Um, here's 25 things that you need to do if you want to meet in your building again. Again, my, my point in this, it's kind of humorous, but my point in this is, wow, there's just a lot of different perspective and opinions as to reopening the facility. So it's a, it's a great opportunity, again, for us to practice to operate in love and grace, love that moves in concern for others. That's what love is all about. I'm concerned for others, so uh, I'm, I'm sensitive to their needs. But I think also grace, and grace that we make room for differing, differing opinions, that we don't cast judgment, that we give grace to one another um, as we walk out what it looks like to re-engage after uh, this COVID-19 pandemic and as things are starting to move again. Uh, again, I'm going to encourage you to uh, operate with love and grace. So, so uh, thanks for your patience as we're in the process again of reopening uh, our physical facilities. Well, today we're launching a new series of messages that we have titled Essentials. As you think of your life, uh, your family, what, what would you say are some of the essentials? As a matter of fact, take just a minute right there in the chat line. Why don't you type in um, some words or phrases that you would say, hey, this is essential in my life or, or for my family. You know, obviously, as we think about what's essential, right off the top, we, we, we think of oxy, oxygen, water, and food. 
I mean, we know that you can live like four or five minutes without oxygen. You can live three or four days without water, uh, maybe 40 to 50 days without food. But we would say that those three items are are really essential, essential for your physical body. But what about your soul and your spirit? What, what's essential for the spirit part of you? As we learned in the Soul Care series just last uh, week, that you're not just um, a body, you're actually a living spirit that... Um, that lives within the body. And so what about your spirit in your soul? What would you say is essential for your spirit? And so what we want to do in this series is we want to look to the book of Acts, to the early believers, to the early church, and make some discoveries as to what was essential for the early church that I believe is still essential for us today as followers of Jesus Christ. You know, in this in this time of COVID-19 crisis, we've been pressed to define what is essential for our lives. We've made adjustments focusing on, on that which is critical for the health and security of our lives. In the same fashion, there's essentials that we discover in the early churches recorded in the book of Acts that should direct our lives spiritually as to how we live out the faith. As the early church was established, there were, there were essentials that the early believers uh, embraced and engaged in that brought vibrancy in life for them as individuals of the church. Essentials that I believe we need to engage in today. And it all started, get this, it all started on the day of Pentecost. And today, this happens to be Pentecost Sunday. It's the day that we have identified an alignment with the Feast of Pentecost that we celebrate um, the coming of the Holy Spirit, the, the, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit for the believer and for the church today. It was on this day, the day of Pentecost, in accordance with God's plan of redemption that was so clearly, so clearly portrayed throughout the Jewish feasts or festivals that, that the church would be birthed. So as we think of the birthday of the church, if you can think of it like that, it happened on the day of Pentecost as the Holy Spirit was given, what the Father had promised. And so to help us better understand the Feast of Pentecost and the fulfillment of this prophetic festival on the Jewish calendar, I actually invited uh, my friend Howard Primer into the conversation. Matter of fact, he and I had a conversation and we uh, recorded that. And I wanted you to uh, just to hear a little bit about how Howard and I have processed the Feast of Passover and the significance as it ties to this day. Howard, thanks for uh, joining me today uh, to talk about the Feast of Pentecost. Uh, for those of you who don't know Howard Primer, um, let me tell you a little bit about Howard. Howard is of Jewish descent of the tribe of Levi. He's a Levite. Um, who had an encounter with the Holy Spirit, came to embrace Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And he has been a wealth of information to me, somewhat of a sage, a, a tutor, a teacher, if you will, just helping me connect Jewish culture as to um, the prior covenant and the feast and the significance of that. So I'm so honored today, Howard, that you would join me in conversation to talk yes. about the Feast of Pentecost, being that today is what we identify, what we celebrate as Pentecost Sunday. I am grateful that you would share some insight, not only with me, but with, with our congregation. Um, so I, I just want to ask you a couple of questions and just kind of open the door for you to kind of talk with us about this feast. And again, the significance, the prior covenant to where we're at today. And so here's the first question. What is the Feast of Pentecost and what significance does it have in God's full plan, in God's plan of redemption. God was very, very clear throughout all of Scripture 
Old and New Covenant alike, about the plan he was setting forth and Yeshua's part in that plan. And so he implemented that plan. He declared that there shall be four spring feasts, which we're talking about, and then three fall feasts. And he declared them as holy and convocations that we had to come together. And so the four spring feasts kind of just fall in tandem with the very passion of Christ as we know, which is Passover is the first, followed very quickly by the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is one day later, followed by the day we call Resurrection Sunday, which is also called the Festival of First Fruits, and then 50 days thereafter, seven weeks and one day, which is a magic number for God. He then calls for Shavuot, which means weeks in Hebrew, or Pentecost, as we call it. And all of that manifestation of all of Scripture points this is the moment that the Father, Jehovah, had in mind when he was going to change his relationship with his people. Where before that particular day, on that particular series of events, which included Yeshua, God and God alone decided who would have the benefit of the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so the prophets came along, and they were selected by God. They then had a relationship through the Holy Spirit with God's importance. But on that day, on that Pentecost, was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit so that God changed how we can be in relationship with him. So Pentecost is much more meaningful in the sense of God finally declaring, I'm going to circumcise your hearts and be in direct relationship with the people who want me. Wow. You know, what's interesting for me is I think of Passover, unleavened bread, even to the Feast of Pentecost, is to see God's detailed plan unfolding and that the feasts were somewhat prophetic in nature, speaking of the coming of Jesus, the crucifixion of of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, all of that's revealed in the feast, even to then the the Feast of Pentecost. So talk with me a little bit about, talk with us a little bit about the significance of this holy day uh, as it would be for the church today, not just for Jew, but Gentile alike. Well, when God declared that he was going to make a renewed covenant with his people, and he made that all happen through the presence of his son, and all of that was laid out in such a precise way, even with prophecies telling us precisely what day that Yeshua should enter the city and on what beast he should enter the city. That's Zechariah 9.9. It laid out precisely what kind of beast he would ride into the city. And he rode into the city through the sheep gate because that's the day that God declared in Exodus that we had to present our sacrificial lambs to be determined by the population whether they are without sin, without flaw. So Yeshua enters the city. God laid that out in Scripture. He enters the city and moves towards the what he knew to be his day, his day of his crucifixion. But that became the Passover and he became our Passover lamb. He was then put in the ground on the day that we declare the festival of unleavened bread because he was our unleavened bread. And then he rose from the dead on the day that we called about our first fruits, the festival of first fruits. But most importantly, all of that was to set the stage to validate what he had already done once before. What he had done once before is the precise number of days we celebrate, that 50 days, that seven weeks plus one day, which is the same way he measures for Jubilee, for instance. That was the precise number of days from the time the Jews, Hebrews, left Egypt 
and he delivered the tabernacle from Mount Sinai. So we have on one day, this Pentecost day, a celebration of the giving of the Torah and the fulfillment of the Torah for all of our sake. Amazing. Amazing how God's word um, is connected. Again, we see God's plan of redemption unfolding, that this is a not some random activity, but really we see revealed in God's plan. And the feast, again, really um, portray that of God's plan and the fulfillment of what Christ came, not only his death, his resurrection, but then the coming of the Holy Spirit. Howard, thank you for being with us today. Just to kind of shine the light a little brighter on the significance of the Feast of Pentecost. And again, how it fits into God's greater plan. I so value your input Thanks for your investment in my life, not only my life, but our Grace Covenant family. It's my pleasure. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Well, so as we see in God's order and God's plan, and it's amazing the detail of that, that he would send the Holy Spirit, that the church would be birthed, and that we would be empowered by the Holy Spirit, that we would have the presence of the Spirit enabling us to connect in relationship with God and to live out um, the ministry that we've been called to as the body of Christ. What we're going to discover is that uh, we have been blessed with the presence, the, the power and the person of the Holy Spirit. And that just as it was essential for the early church, I would say today, so it is essential for, for the church today. Just as they needed the Holy Spirit and the fullness of the Spirit, just as they needed what happened on the day of Pentecost, so we need that in our lives today. And we're going to see that in the book of Acts, chapter 1 and chapter 2. But before we get there, let me give you just a broader picture of God's presence uh, with humanity, as we look to, again, the whole of Bible, there's actually three different time periods, if you will. There's God above us. So as we look to the prior covenant, uh, we find the scripture talking about how God would come down. Matter of fact, specifically in Exodus chapter 19, verse 10 and 11, the scripture speaks of how God came down to be with Moses. Listen how this reads. And the Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes and be ready by the third day because on the third day notice the Lord will come down on the Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people so in the prior covenant we have God above us but then we have this transition as we come into the new covenant and that we have God with us as Jesus Christ came born of the virgin uh, coming to bring redemption for mankind it's interesting in John's gospel John says it like this John 1 14 that the word became flesh, that Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us. So we have God's presence with us. And then as we come to the day of Pentecost, we have this third transition, and it's this, it's, it's God in us. So God above us, God with us. Now in this time, in this dispensation, we have God in us being the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 14, verse 17, Jesus said these words to the disciples. The world cannot accept him being the Holy Spirit because it neither sees him or knows him. But you will know him for he lives with you and will be noticed. He will be in you. Interesting then in, in 1 Corinthians six nineteen, Paul also said, Do you not know that your body is the temple, the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit? So in this time... From the day of Pentecost forward, what we have God in us, 
by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. So that's why the day of Pentecost is so significant for us as believers. And we have this first essential that we find, the essential of the Holy Spirit, the fullness of the Spirit that's available for believers today. So as we look as, as to the time frame of when this happened and how it's recorded in Scripture, we look to Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2, and I, I want to read just a couple verses. First, Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. This is Jesus in a post-resurrection experience telling the disciples about what's to come, about what's to happen. Notice how the Scripture reads. It says, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Jesus gave this command to the disciples. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized you with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized. Interesting, that word baptize uh, means to immerse in. In a few days you'll be immersed in the Holy Spirit. Well, Jesus speaking of what was yet to come and what Jesus spoke about actually happened on the day of Pentecost. Acts chapter 2 verses 1 through 4 records this. Listen again to how the scripture reads. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the flowing of a violent wind came down from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And so what Jesus spoke about in Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and 5 happens on the day of Pentecost as the Holy Spirit was poured out and as the church was birthed. Listen, just as the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus was a defining act of God on behalf of humanity, so the day of Pentecost was a defining act for the birthing of the church, for the bringing of the presence of God to be in us empowering us then to carry out the ministry of Christ. So what happened on the day of Pentecost? I want to give you four statements today. The first is this. The day of Pentecost was actually a fulfillment of prophecy and a fulfillment of the promise of Jesus. In other words, it was not just circumstantial. It was not just, hey, here's a day that this happened. No, it was actually a fulfillment of what had been spoken years earlier. Actually, you go to the prophet Joel, 900 years before the day of Pentecost, before the Holy Spirit was given, the prophet Joel made this statement looking forward to the day of Pentecost. Joel chapter 2, verse 28 through 32 says, And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I'll pour out my spirit in those days. I'll show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there will be deliverance, as the Lord has said, among the survivors whom the Lord calls. And so we have Joel speaking of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And it was actually this very passage of Scripture that Peter brought into his sermon in Acts chapter 2, speaking of that prophetic event. Not only that, it's interesting that John, John the Baptist, spoke of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. When he was asked, are you the Messiah? That He said, no, I'm, I'm not even worthy to un, uh, untie the sandals or unlash the sandals of the one who would be the Messiah. He's coming and he's going to baptize you with spirit and fire. When he was speaking of the day of Pentecost. 
And then Jesus, in in Acts chapter 1, verse 4, again, he said, hey, go to Jerusalem. Don't leave Jerusalem until this happens. What was it? It was the essential of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So the day of Pentecost was a fulfillment of prophecy and the promise of Jesus, not only for the disciples, but for us today, even as the church. I think, secondly, the coming of the Holy Spirit was an essential experience preparing early Christ followers to effectively live out the faith. Listen, this is what this is what the early church needed. They needed help. They needed someone to help them live out the very faith that they were professing. So the fullness of the Holy Spirit, what happened on the day of Pentecost, was not like some optional activity or, or, or optional encounter. No, it was essential to the disciples. Matter of fact, Jesus, in John chapter 16, verse 12 through 14, there's, there's this passage in John 14, 15, and 16 where Jesus is talking with the disciples about the coming of the Comforter, the coming of the Holy Spirit. And within that, this is what Jesus said. He says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what's yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. What Jesus was speaking of, how the Holy Spirit would help the disciples live out vibrant faith, help the disciples um, carry forth this redemptive ministry that Jesus came that, that Jesus came to establish. That's why Jesus said, hey, don't leave Jerusalem until this happens, until you have this encounter, until you have this experience. You know, if you can think of it like this, the Holy Spirit is like fuel in our tank. You know, just as your automobile uh, needs fuel in the tank, the fuel is the power that makes the automobile work. In the same fashion, if you can think of it that way, the Holy Spirit's like fuel in our tank. That's why the early believers needed the encounter, the fullness of the Holy Spirit. That's why we need the fullness of the Holy Spirit today. Why? We need fuel in our tank. We need power to help us live out vibrant faith and to do the work in the ministry of Jesus. And what we discovered throughout the book of Acts is that the power of the Holy Spirit was released to enable early Christ followers actually to do the ministry of Jesus, to do what Jesus had been doing, to carry out that redemptive work in a supernatural way. The disciples had the same challenge that you and I have today. Like, I can't do the supernatural in and of myself. I am limited in my human abilities, and so the disciples were. What did they need? They needed the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And, and we see that, again, as you look throughout the book of Acts, it's, it's full of illustration after illustration. But let me just give you two points of illustration. The first would be in Acts chapter 2. As, as Peter is now filled, overflowing with the Holy Spirit, he preaches his first sermon, and 3,000 people get saved. And I would submit to you, 3,000 people didn't get saved because Peter had a flawless three-point sermon. 3,000 people got saved because of the power of the Holy Spirit that Peter was operating in. Then if you look on to Acts chapter 3, we have the story of Peter and John on their way to the temple for prayer. And and there's a, a lame beggar who's begging for money. That's how he made his existence. That's how he survived. And Peter approached uh, or addressed this beggar and said, hey, silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have I'm going to give to you in the name of Jesus. Rise and walk. And all of a sudden the miraculous happened. Listen, it didn't happen because uh, because of Peter. It happened because of the power of the Holy Spirit in and through Peter who enabled Peter to do the work of the, of, of 
the ministry of Jesus. So again, that's why it's so critical for us today, not just for the early disciples, but the Holy Spirit is essential. Because if we're going to do the ministry and the work of Jesus in our world today, what do we need? We need what the early church had. We need the essential of the Holy Spirit. And here's the fourth thing I would want you to know today. What happened on the day of Pentecost is still available today for every Christ follower who would believe and receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit. In other words, it was not just an event. It was not just a day, the day of Pentecost. It's for all who would choose to open their lives to receive that of the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And we know that a couple of different scriptures give reference to this. Acts chapter 2, verse 38 and 39, as Peter preached his first sermon. The people said, oh, what should we do? And listen to how Peter replied, Acts 2.38. He says, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord God will call. Notice, Peter says, for you for those who are present, for the next generation. Then he says, for all who are far off, I believe speaking even of this time, the time present. And then he even gives a broader statement to all who would call on the name of the Lord. So that what the disciples experienced as an essential on the early church on the day of Pentecost is still available for us today. All we have to do is ask and receive. Matter of fact, Jesus in Luke eleven thirteen says, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, get that, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So how do we receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit? We simply do what Jesus said. We ask. We ask and, and we receive. It's interesting, doc, Dr. Jack Hayford in one of his books makes this statement. I think he summarizes it really well. He says, the Holy Spirit comes to indwell the believer so that the person of Jesus can be seen in us. And he comes to overflow our lives so that the power of Jesus can happen through us. Then here's the good news today. What happened on the day of Pentecost was essential for the early Christ followers. And I would say it's still essential for us today. But if you've not received the fullness of the Holy Spirit, if you've not had an Acts chapter 2 experience, so I'm not talking about are you saved or not, because I believe the Holy Spirit comes to indwell you at salvation. But there was something in addition to that the disciples experienced on the day of Pentecost. And hear me, my friend, that is available for you today to live and operate in the fullness of of the Holy Spirit. So if you would like to make that decision even today, I, I want to lead you in a prayer right now in this moment, because Jesus said, if we would ask, we would receive. So if you would say today, hey, I've never prayed that prayer, then I want to lead you in a prayer that's simply, Holy Spirit, I surrender to you, come and overflow my life. So let's pray right now. If you want to make that decision, if you want to open your life to the essential of the Holy Spirit, then I want to, again, invite you to this prayer. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you today for the coming of the Holy Spirit. We thank you today for this essential that you've made available, not just for the early church, but for us. And Lord, your word says, if we ask, we receive. So Lord, even now, I pray with those who are praying this prayer in their home, in their car, wherever they would be. Holy Spirit, I ask that as individuals openly, uh, as they open their lives, as they surrender, and as they say, come Holy Spirit, that you would encounter them, that you would fill them, that you would overflow them, 
even as you did on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. For I believe today you want to not only fill our lives, but overflow our lives, that we might live out vibrant faith and effectively do the ministry of Jesus. So, Holy Spirit, eat, we pray right now, fill, overflow the lives of every individual who would be open and hungry and responsive to the fullness that you would want to bring for their lives. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you prayed that prayer, I would invite you, just go to the chat line and say, hey, today I open my life to the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And I pray God's blessing for you as you walk in this new power that God has for you. God bless. Have a great week.